0: Hello and welcome to another edition of We Were Ports. We're keeping with the theme of having former Scottish players um, as our guests, and tonight's no exception. Um, We have Neil Candles with us tonight. Um, 121 appearances for Portadown, 21 goals over three separate spells. He made his first debut in September 1994 after joining the club from Glenthorne. Over his three spells, he would go on to win an Irish League title in 1995-96. He would win a Budweiser Cup in 1994. He would win also a League Cup in 1995-96. He would also be part of the squad that were to take part in the 1999 Irish Cup final. So thank you, Neil, and thanks for joining us and taking the time to be with us here this evening.
1: No, it's a pleasure, Johnny. Thanks for asking.
0: Not a problem. Neil, we're going to start, as we always do probably, at the very start do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on your early football career? I know, obviously, you know um, teams in Scotland and how you ended up with Ballamina in the Irish League.
1: You know what age I am, Johnny. I can't remember that far back, but uh, I'll do my best. Um, no, I it all started at school, um, obviously playing for the school team, uh, played for the BBEs, and I played for a boys' club, eventually moved on to a boys' club in Kilmarnock, and it was Belfield Boys' Club. To actually get started with the football it was a bit of a strange one because I was at Grange Academy and there was two PE teachers, uh, two male PE teachers, and basically the classes get split. So you went with one teacher and the other group went with another teacher. I ended up in the group with the the rugby coach, so I was basically playing rugby. And this particular day. The heavens had opened and the rugby pitch was actually, um, it was waterlogged. So there was a, you know, like one of them all-weather pitches. So we ended up going up onto it. Now, obviously, we couldn't play rugby on it, so we played football. So obviously, unbeknown to me, um, the rugby teacher, he actually sent one of the boys that was, weren't, weren't playing, uh, go and get Graham Richardson. Go and get Graham Richardson. He was a football coach. So again, like unbeknown to me, they watched for, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever it was. The next thing I, uh, the game was over and I was called over. And straight away, Mr. Richardson, um, why are we not at the football trials? I didn't have a clue, not a clue, if there were any trials going on. So the basically, the, the crux of the story is I ended up captaining the football team. Uh, we had a good bit of success, uh, different cup competitions and things like that. Uh, and then one of these competitions, we actually played a team from Motherwell. And their coach was also a coach of Motherwell uh, Football Club. So after the two games, home and away, um, I was asked to go to Fort Park. Uh I went, basically, did, I must have been 16 years old. I, 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 I remember obviously I couldn't drive. And... I played two training sessions, I think two games, and Motherwell offered me a contract. Now, I bit their arm off. There had been a lot of interest, you know, from different clubs. All these rumours, whether it was Rangers, Ipswich Town, Nottingham Forest. But I just could not get wait to get out of the classroom. Couldn't wait to get out of the classroom. So that's how lucky I was. I was in the classroom on the Friday. A full-time footballer on the Monday on the training pitch, uh, and obviously it was an experience for me. But at the same time, I was still very very young, so it was a wee bit, you know, caught in the headlights at times, you know, with the, just obviously being so young. But uh, again, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The manager was would have been Tom McLean. Uh, a lot of people would probably know his brother, better Jim, who unfortunately passed away there before Christmas. Uh, Jim McLean had all his success in the United, and the assistant manager was a guy called. Tam Versailles, Tom Forsyth, Tom He was known as Big Tam, Obviously, a uh, stalwart of Rangers. Uh, the two of them. Uh, so again, uh, funny just talking to the wife there. I don't know if you noticed. St. Myrne were playing uh, Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> I actually made my debut at in Paisley um, as a, I'd have been a young seventeen-year-old, and it's it's funny how things work out. The guy doing the commentary in the Sky Match tonight is Andy Walker. Andy Walker Field the Fitness Test. And that's why I started. And I remember standing on reception at Fur Park, and Tommy came in and told me and started laughing. And I was like, what are you laughing at? He says, "Oh, I've nobody else, so I have to start you. And that was basically, obviously it relaxed me, you know, it sort of pissed me off a wee bit, but at the same time, I was buzzing. And and I'm trying to think, I think we won one nil. I'm pretty sure we won one the Also we got off to a good start. But, uh, but no, i say, um there was a lot of good players at uh, Mullerwell. Um, you guys will obviously, you'll know a few of them. Um, the captain, the first captain, would have been a guy called Ali Mocklin. I think the Galavan uh, crew would remember Ali. Uh, Ali wasn't a shy person. Uh, would, would, would make the odd you know, tackle now and again. Uh, but Ali, oh, he was super. Uh, he was super with the young guys as well. Uh, but also in coming through in that squad, there was uh, Gary McAllister, who's obviously now went on Leeds, Liverpool uh, assistant manager to Stevie Gerrard at Rangers now. Uh, Andy Walker, who I've mentioned, Tom Boyd. Um, a lot of good players, you know, that went on to really successful careers. Um, now, I my one an only goal at Firth Park. Uh, we beat them Fairman. We're 2-0 down, and we beat Dunfermline 3-2. And I happened to score the winner. And obviously it was brilliant for me. My mum and my dad were there. Uh, my two brothers were there as well. But it was really, really strange. It really... It was the wrong way around. I don't know if you guys will know, but the flying winger that day used all his pace got to the byline, crossed it. I flew in at the front post, made a run to the front post, got in front of my marker, uh, volleyed it into the net. Uh, the flying winger was a guy called Stevie Cown. Don't know if you don't know him.
0: Flying winger? <laughs> right
1: winger. Flying right winger. Stevie went down, honestly, down the wing, crossed it, and I scored. Now, I think in training, it would have been the other way around. I'd have been the one crossing it. But uh, no, fair play, Stevie was the one that put it on, well, didn't put it on a plate for me, but like I say, used all his pace <laughs> to get to the byline and cross it, and we won the game three 2 And I think the, the, the highlight of that, obviously not just from scoring, was the fact that uh, I, I was brought off with a couple of minutes to go, and it was just, you know, the feeling was just unbelievable, uh, obviously getting the three points. So, um, But that unfortunately, that was my only goal, and I've got a lot of, I have to thank Stevie for that. But uh, no, I say I was in and out of the team, uh, and the 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 where it all started to fall apart for me was I, I picked up a knee injury, and I was basically out for I was out for about four months uh, with the knee injury, and it was September, October, it was starting to get to November, and I was getting really I wasn't getting any game time. I think I'd have been about maybe 19 now, 1920. So I needed to play. Now, there was a couple of clubs that to speak to me in Scotland. But the story of coming to Northern Ireland, um, the Alec McKee was, would have been the manager of me United. Now, he tells me that he was at a function. Uh, I had no idea what for. I can't even mind where it was. But there was Anton Rogan that played for Celtic. Now I've I've obviously played against Anton a few times, obviously in the time at uh and him obviously playing for Celtic. For whatever reason they had a conversation and Ballymere United were going very well. I think it was nip and tug with themselves and Portadown, Down. Uh, and just happened to mention he was looking for a forward player and for whatever reason Anton Rogan mentioned my name and that's how it came about. So my first uh, my first joint into Ball or into Northern Ireland It would have been, I came over, things were sorted out. And I think the first game was at Mournview. Memory serves me. We lost that game 2-1, I think. So I actually stayed because we then had a game, I think for some reason the match was on a Friday night and it was away at Newry. And I think we got a draw, I think we got a draw down there. Um, So then it was the following week, home debut. Uh, Oh, what a debut. Uh, we beat Linfield 5 1. Uh, I scored twice. Scored once, so I basically set up two or three others. But just the crowd, the crowd was unbelievable. The, the, obviously, the Linfield fans weren't too happy. And I remember, I have a funny feeling it was uh, centre half, Lindsay McEwen.
0: Yeah, Lindsay McEwen, yeah.
1: Uh, Roy Coyle took him off. And by all accounts, I might be... I'm, I'm pretty sure about this. He brought him off, obviously, getting beat 5-1. I'm not quite sure if Lindsay ever played again, But obviously, now, the, the, you know, the experience I've had over here now and, the, 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 you know, the, the learning of things, you know, from over here in the, the football, obviously, he was a stalwart for, you know, Linfield field for years and years and years. But, like I say, to your home debut, 5-1, and then... Uh, Unfortunately, back then, if you remember, well, it was VHS. I was going to say Betamax, but no, it was VHS. And I actually got a tape of the whole game from Jackie Fulham, and I still have it. Still haven't converted it to DVD, but sure, I've still got the VHS. <laughs> but uh, so that was my first experience. So well, all in all, I was over for a bit. Uh, I think it was about maybe fourteen weeks, and it was. Unfortunately, well, unfortunately for Ballonina, but you know, it was obviously good for Port I think Portadine well, they pipped well, they pipped to the title? No, that was the falling season by Winfield.
0: Port won the league I was won their first league championship eighty nine ninety and then retained it again in nineteen ninety one. Um I don't think they were challenging before that now. I could be wrong, but that's my re- recollection of but-
1: no. I know Balmina didn't want it but that's one of the reasons that we're looking for players to come in uh, to give them a, obviously a better chance now unfortunately it didn't work out but I do remember I just I flew, in a, flew in and out uh, for the, that period of time now I have to admit there were guys playing for Balmina uh, that day, Michael Smith uh, who wanted to play for Glen Torn and Cole Uh back then there would have been uh, Mickey McGuire uh, you know, John, uh, John Hearn uh, a lot of good players who are, I you guess, young, uh, Stephen Young, uh, but these guys are now, you know, they're now friends, you know, and their families, you know, all that, their, their, you know, their families, their kids, you know, are friendly with my kids, you know. So again, it was a bond that started way back then. Now, like I say, so I flew, flew in and out, I flew in maybe the Friday and back the Sunday, and I have to say, see them 14 weeks, there was always something on on the Saturday night so it was like a it was like a yes come over be professional do your job but then oh some of the nights were absolutely fantastic uh, can't really say too much you know but uh, no it was good fun and the thing about Michael Smith Michael Smith didn't drink so he was a driver he drove us over and like from Burberry's to Belfast to god knows where uh enjoyed my time, but don't get me wrong, football was the main, you know, was the main reason I was over. So I, I remember going back to Bal- or back to Mullow- um, I thought, right, this is it. I'm gonna give it a go here. So I busted my chops uh, pre-season and come again October, November, it wasn't happening. I just I was you know, it doesn't matter how much work I put in, how much I tried. I think basically with the four months being injured and then going to Northern Ireland, there was people, there was other players had passed me. So they were now getting the look in way before I did. So I made the decision, like, hey, what am I going to do here? And again, I spoke to a couple of clubs in Scotland. And I think because I enjoyed my time so much in Northern Ireland, and if I'm honest, I thought to myself, right, go and play in Northern Ireland, get game time. You know, you're guaranteed game time. And then hopefully, maybe, potentially, maybe get a switch back to, you know, down to England. Unfortunately, it never, that never transpired. But I can't say that, you know, you know. obviously the time I had over here has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously the amount of games I've played in the Irish League and with a good bit of success as well. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I made a conscious decision that if I was coming back to Northern Ireland and I made this very clear, I didn't want to fly in and out. I wanted to put my roots down for whatever length of time it would be. So, uh, John Murray and his wife Louise and daughter Jane. John would have been, he'd have been a director at Balmina and he uh, very kindly offered to put me up. So when I first came over, let's say that, it happened to have been November, December time.
2: Uh,
1: Signed to the end of the season and obviously waited to see how things went as far as I can remember, things went okay, uh, they offered me then, you know, wanted to offer me a new three-year contract, come the end of that, I uh, think I ended up signing for a two-year contract, and at that stage, obviously, the season was finished. it was time to find myself a house, and which obviously I did, and I, a couple of great years, brilliant years at Balmain, I still living in the time, you know, so basically, <laughs> again, the amount of people I still you know, see on a daily basis So weekly or bump into, you know, regarding, you know, back in the day when we played. Uh, and like I played with a hell of a lot of good players at Balmina. You know, Desi Lockery, Jonathan Speake. Uh, and then there's actually a few Scots ones, Scottish ones came over. Uh, Ross Tannock would have been one that people would not really know too much about, but he was a friend of mine. He actually played with me at Mullow. Uh, and then Phil Byrne. Unfortunately, Phil's, uh, he's dead and gone now. Uh, but uh, he was, he actually lived with me and that was a nightmare, he was a nightmare, (laughs) he was a nightmare, what a player, what a player, Uh, sadly missed, but uh, no, and then it just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed from day one, as if, you know, people, I look back, I was putting the Christmas stuff away, uh, just in the new year there, putting them back up in the attic, and I came across, um, my mum and dad always used to keep scrapbooks, so I came across a few scrapbooks and it was like there's definitely more. So after hoping about up on the attic for a few minutes, I found a whole pile of them, and it's amazing looking back how thin I was compared to now. But at the same time, just all the clippings, and I don't know how my mum and dad got hold of them. I really don't. Um, but then what, what I was gonna say was that there just seemed to be this Ronnie McFall. Want to sign me? That's
0: that's what I was going to bring up because when I was younger, following Portadown, your name would have been mentioned every season. It seemed to be every season come up. Neil Cantus would have been linked with Portadown. Neil Cantus was linked with Portadown. I think I actually remember you um, taking in a Portadown game one night, and it was a whole buzz about the place. Oh, Neil Cantus is at the game tonight. He must be, he, you know, must be on the verge of signing and stuff. And then he went and signed for Glanthorn, which seems after being linked for so long, it just seemed like a, a boat from the blue. Nobody Glantorn had never been mentioned. See when you
1: say that, I can it might not have been it might not have been that time. But I do remember being at a game with Michael Smith. Now, Smicker signed for the Glens before I did. And we were sitting in the stand and the there was a wee fella behind. I don't know, I can't remember. I just know Porter Down missed a chance. Porter down missed a chance. And the wee fella turned to his dad and says, if Neil Callish was playing, he'd have scored that. Smicker turned round to him and pointed. And I turned round and looked, and the wee fella's face just <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say shit himself, but he didn't. He just couldn't believe. And obviously I was like, Are You sure? <laughs> I might have missed it, you know. I might have missed it, too. probably would have missed it. But the guy was brilliant, but uh, no, the whole like I say, for whatever reason, Ronnie it was just always on the phone, always talking to me any chance he could. Uh, Ronnie was very cute, you know, regarding you know, when it came to talking, talking to you know, tapping people up basically. But Ronnie was quite cute because he would originally. The first person who ever spoke to me was Brian Strain. And it was, you know, yes, obviously I'd love to. You know, love to say about Down. Because one thing that, you know, people have gone out of Portadown, and, you know, whether it was financial or any of this, the one thing that I always thought, looking at, you know, what Ronnie did, the players he brought in, it was successful. And that's, and as a player, you know, even you take nowadays, people have gone about Harry Hurricane. Spurs, uh, you need to leave to win some, you need to leave, and I get that. I get that he's a fantastic club in Tottenham Hotspur, but I can see why he might want to move on. You know, I'm not saying he will, but you get my gist. You
2: know, he was in
0: the position of Balamina to next Dave, yeah. yeah. did, did you feel you talk about the high key in comparison there that he, he loves being a partner, but he might need to move on if he wants to win things? You
1: sort of felt that a Balomena, did you? I did, because then like I say, my good friend Michael Smith left and went to the Glens. Uh, and again there was all this speculation, speculation, speculation. And it was f- funny because I was I just remember sitting in the house and the door went. And the manager at Balomena at the time is Jim Hagan. Now Jim Hagan is somebody that I a lot of time for and a lot of respect for. He's actually now living back in his apartment in Barcelona Barcelona. It was in Spain somewhere anyway. And uh again I helped worked, worked, worked with him at Wellington Rec and also worked, worked with him at Larm. But uh I opened the door and he was standing. and his exact words were you have to sign for Glen I was like what? I said what what, what, what what do you mean I have to? He says oh they've offered a shitload of money for you. So transparent it was 28,500 and quid. <clears throat> so I was like oh hold on a minute here You know, I have, you know, I haven't spoken to them yet. Now, unknown to me, Glens were in big trouble. They were struggling, and I think there was a lot of, you know, infighting and politics in the background. Uh, But I didn't know that until afterwards. But I ended up meeting with them, and the manager at the time was Robert Strain, and Billy Caskey, legend at Glentoran. He was assistant manager. So I met with them, and it was like, right. I probably did feel a wee bit of pressure of having to sign. Maybe I shouldn't have, but you know, I'd spoken to Ronnie a couple of times. I played, Ronnie had, remember we remember the North used to play the South? Yes. We played down in Dublin. And we beat them 2-1. I managed to get, I scored the second. And I remember talking to him then. I says, look, let's get this done. You know, are you, you going to do it? Or we what we're doing? And it just never transpired. It even got to even going back before uh, the, the Glen Tone thing. Greg Davison's testimonial.
0: Yes, I was I going to bring that up, that I I seem to remember you guessed him for Portadown before, you you know, you were maybe still a Balamina player at the time. But that just as this conversation was going on, it was sort of ringing the bell in my head. that You guessed it for Portadown in a pre-season, was it Greg Davison's testimonial that like you guessed
1: it? Yes, and it was, like, so, obviously, Ronnie Fone, the Ballymina, we aren't happy at all, but I thought, well, you know, at the end of the day, you're getting an opportunity. You know, we Greg, obviously, not knowing much about him back then, but I knew who he was. I knew he played for Portland, right? So, you know, to, to go 10 years at the same club, you know, hats off, like, you know, a bit of respect. So I thought, you know what? I'm I'm going to do the right, to me. I felt the right thing in play. But it was really funny because, um again, you know, Ronnie's wee office that, you know, you couldn't swing a cat in. He pulls me in before the game. He says, right, he says, I need you to get your finger out your arse in this game. I need you to. And it's like, what are you talking about? Ted Clark. Mm-hmm. Ted Clark. He, golden he been, golden was sort
0: of, he was a bank yeah. yeah. You know, in the early 90s, it was him that was sort of putting all the money into the club. He was owner a golden cow.
1: Golden Cow, that's the one. Yes, uh, I think. Well, again, I don't know whether it was right or I don't know whether it's right or not. But you know, at the end of the day, when a, a player, you know, finances, it's none of our business. You know, as long as we're happy with, you know, what we get, that's that's all you can do. But you know, I don't know whether he did put money into an account and they b- b- got the interest or what. I don't know. But so he to- tells me I have to play really well. It's just I need you to I need you to play well because Ted Clark's has like Greg's testimonial. So, I scored a hat trick. Didn't sign. I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" I said, "Ted Clark was not impressed." Was he not impressed? I scored. A, I did. I scored a hat trick that day. I think I actually scored left foot, right foot, and a header. I don't ask me. I don't score that often in my head. So nothing transpired from that situation. But what I, what I do remember as well, and as you know, I was talking to RC uh, the other night there, uh, Robert Casey. And he he remembered it as well. Remember the boys walking out, you know, obviously walking out the tunnel. Next thing, we all stopped, all the players stopped. Greg got out onto the middle of the pitch, turned around, and he was standing by himself. And we were all obviously standing, the boys were standing, taking the piss out and pissing themselves, laughing, you know. But uh, but no, see, I think he got a good crowd that day uh, for that game against. It was against again. It was against Galway. Um, but so going back to. I, so, Glen Torn, Jim Hagen, ended up, they started a five-year contract, four-year, three-year, 2 I ended up signing a one-year contract at Glen Torn. So, ended up top goal scorer, I think I scored 12 goals, something like 12, 15 goals. Uh, it wasn't a good season for Glen Torn, and it's a fantastic club, you know, embroiled, you know, Glen Torn, linfield the, the battles of the big two. And going back to the previous conversation, it was it was this season playing for the Glens. I was in work. I had got a part-time job, there. so I got a part-time job in the leisure centre with the council and fitness instructor. So it tied in really, really well for me. It's obviously training three nights a week or whatever. I could obviously use the facilities of the gym. Uh, so it tied in really well. So the last game of the season, you guys would have entered, ported down against Glenalvin at Mourneview.
0: Yes, yes, that would have oh. been ninety three, ninety four. Then yes, where yes, you you would have played in the Glentoran Linfield game at Windsor. Yes, that's right.
1: The the phone wrong in the leisure centre. There was like reception. And it says there's some boy here looking me. So him am Sorry. Hello. Hi, oh, everyone here. Was actually, ringing me to say again, listen, see tomorrow. you get your finger out your arse and you turn them boys over. This is we need you used to beat Ossie Linfield and we have to beat uh Glen Arlen. So I thought to myself, right, okay, so I actually scored,
0: yes, yeah, yeah.
1: And again, after it was after the game, the referee was Norman Cowie and he sent me off. Now, see. Obviously, I had just signed a one-year contract, so basically, I lived in the Oval because they were trying to organise, you know, get me to re-sign another contract. Uh, it come to the club's attention from people in the West West, West Westbourne Westbourne Supporters Club in East Belfast, and Norman Cowie apparently did deliveries. And weeks before that game, Glen Torrin Linfield, he told boys in the Westbourne Club he was going to send me off. And at this got to director level. And I said, well, at the end of the day, what can you do about it? So you can't you can't do anything about it. It's done and dust it. You know, you're not gonna get three points. you're not gonna beat Linfield and help Port down on the lake. So but again, i c I've still I've actually seen the goal and it hits the top of my shoulder. And it's big I think it's big Wes Lamont that's in goals and it, there was nothing wrong with it. Like where was V A R back then? You know, uh, <laughs> they needed a bit of VAR to help me out
0: there, but uh but no, he set me off,
1: and Linfield got on, obviously, to win that game. So 2 0, I think, in the end.
0: Yeah, if Portadown and, and Glen Alvin had a one, if yeah. any of those two teams won, they yeah. won the league. Glen Alvin were 2 0, up, it down, brought it back to 2 0, and then the famous Robert KC miss. That seems to end up a lot. Well, I was just about to say, if something was in my head, RC.
1: Trevor Smith went through it and Trevor tried to lob the keeper instead of just stroking it to the side.
0: Robbie Casey, Robbie Casey went clean through. He had Trevor Smith to the, he had Smith to the right hand yeah. side of him. Um, we could have squared to you, Trevor, would have had a, yeah. an empty net. Was Robbie. Right. Robbie was a you know, born and bred striker. He was clean yeah. through and he, he could just. Because I think this past year, I don't know, over the summer, it was, maybe it was the anniversary or something because it was. There's a big thing over the summer during lockdown, I think the BBC done a bit on it, and the, all the telegraph and stuff were, were looking back on it. And then you could see Robbie hit the shot, and you could just see it sort of just swerve the wrong side of the post. Then the 2 2, and then when Linfield's victory there they wrapped up the title. Then, uh,
1: Robbie Casey, greedy bollocks is what it is, <laughs> he should have passed it, but uh, but no, so that was that was my last game for Glen Torn, and then. Again, there was all the speculation. Ronnie was on again. Different players were on again. And then, I don't know how it came about, but it ended up a swap deal. Yeah, well, Travis um, Smith. Yeah. Uh, and I was, you know, like I say, you can't say I'm Glen Torn, fantastic club. Obviously, they're, they're trying to get back into the, the way of things now. Um, but just from, I, I just, I knew I wanted to play for Port Red. I just knew, and I think even as a player, you know, players now, or even back then, I think I was experienced enough to know and see. Look, look at the players supported them. look at the players. You know, looking at them compared to you know, no disrespect to Balmina or Wentworth, but they were successful. You know, there was no doubt about it. And so again, when that came about, you know, making a, I actually, I actually had shook hands with Ronnie, uh, and signed. Way before it was announced, uh, I met him. Met him at the airport hotel, and it was done and dusted. And like obviously, I was delighted. And
0: uh, um, in regards to that, that date name was it? Lantour made contact with Portadown over Trevor Smith first, or was it vice versa? Or do you know? I can't
1: even think how it came about or why or. I like think maybe Trevor. was there something about Trevor's Trevor's girlfriend not of a shop in Belfast or something? She had a, a fashion shop or something. Was
0: that, was that Trevor?
1: I think Trevor maybe had had That's, something like that in Belfast. Um, I think Trevor made out that it was his because, like, Trevor's clobber was like, "Geez, oh my god!" But but how it came about, I was I was just delighted it did. And again, it was the value at thirty three thousand you know, so that was, in a swap deal, I don't know how you do that, but I just remember that at the time, because it's like, all right, okay, so my value has gone up in a year. <laughs> but just getting to pour it in was uh, absolutely, yeah, uh, I was, I was, you know, pleased, and again, I think, especially that first season, we went on and won the league, so it verified everything to me of, of you know, making the right decision. You know, being happy uh, to be there and to be playing for Portland.
0: Yeah. I have you. You made your debut on the 10th of September 1994 in a 1 0 win against Obatown. Um, Paul Doolin was a, was a goal scorer for Portland that day. You then get your first goal the next Saturday, 17th of September 1994, against Distillery in a 4 1 win. Robert Casey would grab two and Joey Cunningham um, also scored that day. You walk into the the eye dressing room, um, who's the big characters in that dressing room as you walk in? Who stands out to
1: you? Well, I, I think it was fortunate. That they, as I mentioned earlier, I played in the, the game the North v South. So there was, there was a good Brian Strain that I've been playing that day. I, think, I presume Joey was playing the likes of Alfie Um, but you know we could wax lyrical regarding you know the names that I'm going to mention you know obviously Gary was on a few weeks ago and just talking to Gary Pables
0: see the hat he was wearing
1: was that a hat seriously did that have you know like the hat and has the hair attached to it <laughs> you know and as RC said to me the other day she's no his hair is as long as yours was back in the day but I, I was like, what? Is it, is it, seriously, is he that long or is it attached to that hat? Peeves, what's that all about? But uh, no, well, one thing about Garry Peebles, he's, uh, he did say nice things about me. So him being Scottish, I probably owe my a fiver. But me being Scottish as well, he's no chance of getting it. So. But uh, but no, again, you go back and you, know, you walk into the dressing room and you just make a Keenan for a start goalkeeper. You've got Alfie, your strainer. Uh, obviously, I'd met Greg a couple of times. Uh, the R.C. was coming into the team. Uh, Paul Dillon, uh, just Martin Russell,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and then the, as everybody totally testifies to, uh, Joey Cunningham, you know, and like to play in that team, you know, with them players, it was. And again, character-wise, that that was one thing that I would have, I would say over all all my years as a player, no matter where I was playing. They, the, the thing about the, these players were, were, wasn't the fact that they were brilliant players they they were. they were they were the best players in the league but I think the biggest thing I can say about you know the Alfies and the Strainers and the, the Philip Majors of this world is they're proper men you know they're real men and I as you know I, I spoke with RC the other day and I had this very same conversation with him but me and Ravi hadn't seen each other in a lifetime and the conversation basically just carried on. And the only place I get that is, you know, friends from school that, you you know, went to primary school, went to secondary school. I have, a, I have, a, uh, I have a, a mate in Australia. Unfortunately, his dad passed away a couple of years ago. So he had to fly home, obviously, for his funeral. I hadn't seen David in 15 years. And we just carried on as if, you know, the conversation from the day before. And I think that's where, you know, you mentioned wee me, Greg, and uh, boys like that there, R- Robert Casey as well. It's, I think if, if you rung the phone, you know, if you phone them up tonight and said, here, I'm in a bit of trouble here, can you give me a hand? They'd be there. There was a strong
0: bond within the squad. Yeah.
1: And I think, too, that, you know, when it came to one thing, and like there's a thing, there's a word nowadays about snowflakes. I remember wee Bob holding Ronnie back because he wanted to split split players up that were having a go at each other. And, like, things would be said and, you know, hands would be raised. You see, afterwards, you're in the bar having a pint, laughing and joking about it. Because you went and, you know, you got it sorted, you right, second half, did your job. It's over. You know, it's over done and and with. There's no, you know, you know, festering away or anything there. And I think that's the way Ronnie had his dressing room. Uh, uh, and that's where I can safely say that I've seen dressing rooms and it's like, he's a fake, he's not real, Uh, and like I said, I had this conversation with RC the other night, and he totally agreed, you know, totally agreed, and that's one thing I would say, they're they're, they're proper men, you know, they're proper people, Uh, just the fact that they were talented as well, you know, that's where, you know, that's where Ronnie knew, the knew his players, he knew they didn't get it right all the time, but he just knew the character of players, and I think nowadays, you know, what really pisses me off is, you know, you, you watch Sky, yeah. you go and watch Sky, and you see I'm a minor edit man, right? You see them getting off the bus, their headphones on, they don't even, they're not even interested, you know, in talking to the, you know, the kids that are standing there. Do they go over and, you know, get their picture taken? It's, you know, they'll turn around and say, "Oh, we're focusing on the game." Well, you focus on the game, you know, once you're in the dressing room, you're getting changed. That's when your focus starts. And then it focuses even more once you're on that pitch. Um, but again, that's just, it's, it's my own personal opinion. You know, I'm I'm, I'm doing, obviously I'm helping out down at Larne with the development squad. I have been involved with first team there. And to see what they're doing there, obviously, lunch. Uh with obviously Mister Bruce's backing, it's it is, the professionalism is unbelievable. Uh, but I would say that looking back, the technology now is different. You know what they're doing in training, the nutritionists, you know all the different you know training that they do and different sessions that they do. It is it is they're basically copying the, the United States and cities to this world. Um, back in the day, obviously training before in down the old rugby pitch. Tuesday night, piss and, rain. <laughs> piss and rain, no lights. But at the same time, listen, once you got on the pitch on a Saturday or Tuesday night or whatever it was, it was, no, they, them, the boys knew how to look after each other. And if something needed said or needed sorted, the players looked up, you know, they did that as well. Uh, it wasn't just a case of uh, waiting for Ronnie to do it or we Bob or Kieran or whoever it was, you know. So. But uh, no, a fantastic group of players. Absolutely.
0: You talk there about... Common theme with the chats that we've had on this is about just how good... The two names that that commonly come up is Joey Cunningham and Martin Russell, you obviously played with with both of them. Um, Gary and Robert Casey um, and Stephen Cairn, you know, um, have waxed lyrical about both of them. Um, Just how good was Joey? And Martin? Well, there's
1: one thing about Joey was... um it's just not even just as a player but as a person you know people will tell you that uh, but the unfortunate thing Joey's time was cut short because of injury mm-hmm. but I can uh, if memory serves me right I I did make cartilage and I tried to get me back fit to play Carrick I think it was it the Irish Cup semi-final yes and Carrick won 1-0 one, one,
0: I remember Jack were where, real underdogs he you, you poured down. went in as red hot favourites were near the bottom of the leg and the, the top or the top was poor down. all they needed to do was, was turn, up. turn up
1: well we played Cliftonville at Solitude and whatever happened the way I twisted it river I basically dug my knee and I can remember Solitude it was in front of their main stand their stewards had to basically huddle over me because there was bottles and Stones and there was everything been thrown. So I remember Alfie having to drive, and my car was actually at the Antrim roundabout. And I just remember my knee had locked, so I basically had to drive. Just that was my left, my left, my left knee. So I had to drive. Now for whatever reason, I got up the next day. I was in a lot of pain. I might say I couldn't. It was basically locked. I remember getting up the next day and thinking, "Well, this isn't too bad. You well, know, it's maybe not as bad as we thought." So I ended up whether that game was, I ended up playing a reserve game. Now you see when it happened at Solitude, I remember the pain, I was like a screaming banshee at the time but I remember playing a reserve game just to check this, maybe the Tuesday or the Wednesday before the semi-final on the Saturday and within five minutes I just knew, I turned and I just knew there was no pain but I knew there was something not right and it was, it was cartridge, the cartilage. Uh, so I ended up getting an operation. Now, the club were absolutely fantastic. But I know Joey had an operation at the same time. Uh, I can't remember what Joey's problem was, but mine was cartilage. So you can get your operation done, you're in same day, and you're told, right, this is what to do, this is what not to do. So basically rehab. So this would have been, this would have been literally weeks after that semi-final. So you're talking maybe May time, and so I did what I was told, did what I was told, and the fortunate thing for me, working in the leisure centre, I obviously got, had the facilities to use and do exactly what I was told, so I remember pre-season then, we'd have started about end of June, beginning of July, and Joey was already back training, and he, he started to you know, from memory, he started too early and did too much. And I think he I ended- think
0: Joey never returned. It was Joey oh. didn't play. I don't think Joey played again for Portadown after that. That was 1994-95 season and I don't think Joey, Joey didn't play for Portadown again after that. He, he was still at we, the club we, and stuff but he never, I don't think he kicked the ball again.
1: Well again, I can remember. I can actually remember Ronnie. Ronnie was doing his nut because even at, if I was at training, I wasn't joining in. I wasn't doing it. You know, Ronnie just like if you can walk, you can run, you can get on with it, you know. And I says, no, I'm not. I'm doing exactly. And I did, and it really pissed him off. It really, really started to get to him. So I just went through rehab, 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 and eventually just obviously then started joining in, joining in, joining in. And my first game back uh, was against Cliftonville. And we beat them, I think we beat them 6-1. And I scored a hat trick
2: mm-hmm.
1: First game back, scored a hat trick and it was like, thank Now, looking back, you know, am I glad I did what I did? I wish Joey had done the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you, obviously you can you, you can think back and say, oh, but once it's done, it's done. But again, Joey was so determined, so just to get back in. But maybe if he just listened, you know, taking the advice of the surgeon, and that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. Now, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but... No, Joey was, another thing, Joey was funny. Joey was a funny man. Um, uh, and again, what a loss. What a loss to the game. Absolutely lost to the game. Uh, and I think, I, I think, did he not end up going to court? Or, but he could, I think he could sort it out in any, any I think. I'm not quite sure. But but no, he was, but you're talking characters in the game now. I don't, I can't really think, you know, or, you know, starting, regimental now is, I would say is maybe a, is that a right word uh, when you're watching games and there's times that I say I'm a man you man oh my god is that hard work to watch them at times uh, but you know looking back you know characters Sandy Fraser mm-hmm. Sandy I, I I honestly believe now Ronnie can tell me if I'm wrong I think Ronnie eventually got rid of Sandy because he couldn't handle him
2: anymore
1: he couldn't ha- Sandy was the funniest man I've ever met in my life and every day, everybody in the changing room will tell you, on the pitch, off the pitch. Uh, I had spent a lot of time with Sandy, me and now my wife, and him and his girlfriend at the time. Uh, we would have out for dinner and weekends away and stuff like that. There, Sandy was top drawer, um, but Sharp was razor. Sharp was a you razor. Have a Sandy story for us
0: now. A
1: Sandy story. What oh
0: uh, not? <laughs> that you're, you're <laughs> dying to that. Might have, you might have heard this one, but it was Tony
1: Shepard. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine the old changing rooms, Tony Shepherd, we were all lined up and sitting, waiting and waiting and waiting. And Tony Shepherd was doing, doing a fitness test. So obviously he'd been out in the pitch, Ronnie back and forward, back and forward. Tony comes in, into the physio room, and then it started. So if you imagine the dressing room, we're all lined up. Comes out from the uh, physio's room. There's Sandy, and I happen to be sitting beside him. And I'm like, oh, this could be a mistake sitting beside him. So it started, Ronnie, the effing and the blinding and the, oh, just went into melt then. So next day, he sh- the door batters open. He comes st- storming into the changing rooms. And he just looks and he sees the two of us sitting. He says, you. Yeah. Faking Scottish, such-and-such. You, See you as effin' Scotsman, you as Scotsman. See you, I used feckin' Scotsman all the feckin' same. We Sandy pipes up. What's that, boss? Gorgeous. So the whole dressing room erupted. Big Ronnie had to run out of the dressing room. He basically ran out of the dressing room. We couldn't just can hold it back, you know. He's going absolutely nuts because Tony Shepard's failed his fitness test, and he asked, "Aye, he's all the same." Aye, what's that, boss? Gorgeous. Uh, he was—he was too sharp for Ronnie. I think. I think honestly, but a lovely guy, like hell of a finisher, Mm -hmm. hell of a finisher. But there is, there's loads of stories. Yeah, but they have to be. have to be told with no kids listening.
0: (laughs) So that would be you. That would bring the end then to your first season of Portadown ninety four ninety five. Club finished third in the league. You made thirty three appearances. Um, scored ten goals. You'd also end up with a, a Budweiser Cup medal. I think that Budweiser Cup was that your your first honor. You wonder well, what did you win on in Anderson and No, no, that would have been nice. I was four two went over to stillery I think we real wet um, That's good. Yeah, it was a rain swept night at Windsor. Yeah, I think the still we go 2 0 up or something like that. I remember Joey hitting a free kick um into the top corner. Sort of a a curl free kick from out to the left. Um I think maybe Sandy grabbed himself a couple of goals that night as well. Um but the following season will be a real season of intended, so of spoke to, to Guy Peebles about this as well. Um obviously um Tony Shepard would move on, um Paul Dolan moved on as well. Um Ronnie brought in Gary Hellock, Tim Dalton, Peter Kennedy came in, Gary Peebles as well came in. What were your thoughts of of, of those four players coming, especially Gary Hellock? It was it was a huge oh, story at the time of moving from there. I well,
1: that was funny because um the season, obviously, the season finished, and there was a lot of you know rumours of who's leaving, who's not, who's staying, who's not staying, you know, blah blah blah. blah. But I mind picking, and funny, I we was talking to RC the other night about it, and he can remember it being announced. But for whatever reason, I was I was going to, uh, oh my good, ah, uh, supporters' club, the Rich Hill, Rich Hill Reds. I, all I remember is there was a. You know, like obviously you have these awards and you know players, player of the years, and all the rest of it. I Remember, I, I think the way Ronnie did it was, you, you know, so many players would go to one and so many to another, so everybody's not. So I end up going to this one. Maybe was it Market Hill? Possibly, I'm not
0: a sure now.
1: Well, anyway, I picked Ronnie up, and uh, it was out that direction. I think Rich Hill or Market Hill are definitely one of the, definitely one of the supporters' clubs we're just driving along, yarn on the way, just the usual. And then, just out of the blue, Ronnie turns to me and says, um, "Here, we're saying, Gary. Right, hey, look." I was like, "What?" He says, "I Linfield effed up with his contract offer. Believe, believe it or not, apparently back in the back in the day, then the club had to write a, a, a basically a, a letter to your house." and it has to be recorded delivery, offer new, obviously a new contract. So, his was late, Gary's was late, if I remember rightly. Now, in fact, I do remember that's exactly what happened, because the same thing happened to me when he reported in. Uh, now, whether it was end of that season or the following season. So, if I remember rightly, obviously the value of Gary Haylock was, you know, it broke, you know, Spike scored it at 55,000. Gary would have broken that, without a doubt. But, I think Portown did they gave a, they gave a, a generous offer to Linfield. You know, yeah, like I a, a, a
0: was, they they went, went to tribun- tribunal and there, there, there was a
2: thing pair then to Linfield.
1: but Gary came in now what can you say about Gary Haylock? You know, I know but Robbie Robbie said about it another day, yes, you know, money. But I have to say, Gary, I Gary Hilock was probably me. Uh, and respect to him, I met him quite a few times in Dublin. I actually stayed with him um on occasions. Um but ruthless, you know he just wanted to score goals, you know, and he took he'd take the hump and train him if he didn't score goals. But again like that what was he brought in to do was score goals. So obviously like him, he came in, the big Benny came in. Cause Big Benny's another one.
0: Yeah, Vinny, he? No, he didn't come in. I think probably around ninety eight. I think Benny come in. Um, uh, you
1: know, there's one of the even nowadays. You know, you know, you look. Well, again, mentioned him earlier. Harry Kane, guaranteed goals, guaranteed goals. Hey, look, guaranteed goals. You know, like obviously back for my time, Stevie Cowan, He couldn't run, but he guaranteed the goals. You know, so Gary coming in, and I I got on really, really well with him. He was a bit of a loner, you know, a bit quiet. But uh, the only thing I'll say, see his movement. I was very fortunate. I mentioned him earlier, Andy Walker. Played, I again a teammate at Motherwell. Andy moved to Bolton, then Bolton to Celtic. He had a massive success at Celtic. Andy's movement. And it was just a wee, it's just, it was just a wee yard here, or yard there, or even a double. Highlock was exactly the same. Me and him, we clicked. Uh, I remember one goal... I remember one goal in the shed, and it it sticks in my mind. The shed was packed, absolutely packed out. So I think just in the top end of the pitch, so you're thinking the halfway line, and I was right on the sideline. I just I remember coming in, and I knew Gary came towards me, just came towards me, and the defender bit, and I just went here we go. I just lasered this thing right over the top of centre half. He spins, and I'm pretty sure they either volleyed it or half volleyed it, and it was like, it was, I was like I was more delighted with the pass, you know, than him than him scoring. But he just knew his movement His movement was so good. And like you say, he didn't even have to... He just knew he was going to do it. Uh, it was, that's how good I think he was. Did uh,
0: you have enough feeling when Ronnie was making those signings that summer that, you know, was there a belief in the squad that we can win the title this year? I know Porter Down were always there our thereabouts before, but it was a real big season of signings um, that season.
1: Again, I don't, you know, I think... I don't ever recall being under any pressure to, you know, by the way, we have to win. I think it was, we did it ourselves, but again, you know, you're not guaranteed anything. You know, obviously you, you need to, first and foremost nowadays, you, you try to tell the kids nowadays, you have, to, first, you have to work your box off. You know, you have to put in a shift, you know, it won't just happen for you. Uh, no, there's no doubt the quality of names that you just said that came in and for whatever reason it just didn't you know it just didn't seem to work. But uh, you know it probably wasn't for the want of trying. But there, sometimes you, know, you just have to put your hand up and say what well, the other team for better. Uh, but I uh, say I think guy still he still scored a whole shitload of goals, like you know. So um, well, of, we won the league that we won. Would we'll go on to win the league that season. Um, so
0: what well, one, was, one of the things that stands out for me, the final day against Glen or the penultimate game against Second, Glen Yeah. Um, well,
2: again,
0: you, Again,
1: we had played, we were at the Oval for a, a semi-final.
0: Yes, Glen Alvin had beat us in a semi-final, Irish Cup semi-final replay the week before, I think.
1: Now, I was I think at that time I'd been in and out of the team because Peter Kennedy was playing so well. Mm-hmm. And like uh, you know, he'd turn around and say that maybe me and Kenzo were, you know, fighting for the same position. But look, the, he was a class act and obviously proved that by getting his move, you know, across to England and had a really successful career over there. Something tells me that he got injured. Yes. And that so whether it was that whether that match against Glenavon was that following on Saturday or maybe a week after. I can't recall, but I was sat again, sitting in the fitness room at in the leisure centre at work, and the phone rang again, and it was Ronnie, and it was like, well, "What's up?" He says, "Oh, no, Just um, just letting you know that we'll play happen tomorrow." I says, "I sure know that." He says, "Ah, you're starting." Now that was very rare. You know, Ronnie would sometimes. He would sometimes fill you in that you were, maybe been a Thursday night at training. he actually phoned me in the Friday afternoon. And I says, well, that's brilliant. Thanks well, thanks for letting me know. Uh, no, that's just, you know, I says, You're, you, you think I'm going to eat tonight? He says, no, 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 no. I says, you think, and that's something I can put my hand up and say. I know back in the early days, like to Sandy and Stevie Cowan at the Seagull, Ronnie knew exactly what they were doing. And they were up to it, probably no kid, But... He didn't give a shit because they did the job, you know, as long as he did it on a Saturday. But that was never, never interested me whatsoever. Uh I wouldn't have been out the door the night before a game. So but he was phoned in just to let me know that I'm starting. The, the, the really good thing from my point of view, that match there, my mum and dad were actually over. Scotland, And Bernie, now my wife, um, they were at the game. And like, what a, what a game, you know, to actually... You know, the one to I can remember major crossing for Fergie to score.
0: Yeah, because Glen Alvin went 1-0 ahead through Stephen McBride. Then, then we got a penalty Glenavon. which Gary Hellock good. Remember Tony Shepard was playing for Glen Alvin at the time and him throwing a bit of muck at the ball as Hellock yes. about to run up the take it. Also remember you and Gary Hellock having a few words, I think, Hellock. Uh, and he could have squared to you and he took the shot on. Right, uh, yes. I think yeah, I remember yeah. you
1: and him sort of a bit of a shoving match. Um... Again, again, that's, you know, looking back, you know, if he watched that and we lost the game, he'd have probably yeah. thought that I should have passed it. But Gary was, no, but Gary, was he was greedy. Mm-hmm. But that's what made him good,
2: mm-hmm. you know.
1: But, but that's where, going back to it, but Johnny, that's where we didn't hold grudges. He just got on with it. You know, and then you laughed about it afterwards. You know, the amount of times that that would have happened, you know, in games or training or whatever, it was like, it was a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the characters of these boys, you, just, you didn't, it was like, right, that's it, that, done, dust it, move on. But uh, I remember that game. And I remember, I remember standing and the, the crowds were going mental, and I was waiting to be interviewed. They wanted to do a live interview, and just waiting and waiting, and just basically just taking it all in. Because that would have been because of what happened with Cliftonville and Crusaders. Was it 17 yeah. goals?
0: That, that, same, that same Saturday Crusaders played Cliftonville. Cliftonville won. I think it was either a draw or, or Cliftonville won. But with the result meant that we won the league, because the following Saturday yeah. we went to Crusaders, and was right. all built up in the run-up. Of- it was going to be a title showdown, sort of a thing, winner takes all. But then, obviously, um, Crusaders dropped points to Liverpool. That meant we we won the day.
1: Hundred percent. That was that's exactly right. We were three points. Now, like I say, we were either seventeen or nineteen goals ahead. Something yeah. seventeen mm-hmm. goals ahead. Now you see the really, really, really funny thing. The, the, there was players injured for the Galway game, so it was nearly basically the same squad. That played against Crusaders at Sea View the following week. Now there was no way we were going to lose nineteen 0 right? That was, and I can remember the boys afterwards that were watching the game, and it was a, the comment made was along the lines of, "You can tell that match that we just watched that we won the league last Saturday, because nearly every frigging one is, you think you are walking and running about in quicksand." Because we were so poor, and you could actually, as one of the boys said, you could actually tell that the boys had been on the piss all week. They, could they had a at
0: the end three all, I think. Yeah. That, that yeah. final day at C-view. Um
1: uh, But again, it was. Like, <laughs> did the game really matter? Of course it did, but we just wanted it out, out the way because we knew we were getting that trophy, you know, and obviously we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that was I think the very same night, the open top bus around Portadine. Yeah. What's your of that night? Oh uh, all I can remember, you know what I can remember the most about it? The fact that I didn't think Port Adair was that big, but it must have taken about four hours to get around it. Really, really did. And the crowds were I there must there mustn't have been anybody in their houses. Uh but it was just it was just a celebration, absolute celebration. And, and obviously it was my first. Uh but the the fact that, you know, we'd won the league, you know, we'd won it the week before, and appearance been there, and Bernie been there, it was just brilliant. But one of the, you know, I know how you like it, one or two wee stories. I just remember the top, uh, open top bus, and we make reference to RC, as in Robert Casey. And you, you turn and look, and there's him marching up and down the open top bus, playing the flute, kidding on to play the flute. And it's like, oh I just imagine the pictures of that, you know, boys taking photographs and all. But uh also back then there wasn't phones, so it was, it was in the big monster monster cameras, but uh oh he was a turn uh Robbie, funny, funny man. But uh, I have him giving it that there up and down the bus. Couple
0: couple of players that slip on under the radar that come in that season. Um don't remember Jamie Woodsford came in towards the end of the season, he came over from England on loan. Um, he might be coming for you when you were you were injured as an English fan. He scored a hat-trick up at Solitude. Um, doesn't ring any... No, Jamie what? Sorry, I missed. Must... Jamie Woodsford. Yeah, um, remember the name, but I can't find yeah. it. Um, another one you mentioned there is Ian Ferguson. Um, okay, I yeah, what are your, your thoughts on I mean, Somebody that sort of slips under the radar sometimes, it, let I
1: mean, does just get the the applause he deserves. Well, I knew Fergie, um, and actually I played golf him quite a few times. Um, but I heard he come. Was he model as well? He wasn't model when I was there, now. But again, just looking at his track record, it was he just scored goals. Mm. You know, it's, it's 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 one of these things. You know, that you might not see him much in a game, but. You know, you put the ball on the box it was a goal, mm-hmm. and I think did he make his debut at Bangor? Yeah, because I, I think you, his, I
0: think he scored. I saw the Bangor, I think he got, I think he said he crossed. About the first minute, crosses for him, yeah. Uh a, the first minute.
1: Um, but no, a great header of the ball, and that's like, you know, Cowan, How many did he score? How many did Stevie score with his head? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just that we all it needed was a the yard, then it was a goal. But, uh, but no, like I say it was obviously it was. You know, even I think that, that, that we go back to the open top bus, and then it was back to the seagull. I think afterwards, and then obviously the, all the dignitaries were there, and obviously all the the press and all, and all the players and their wives and girlfriends, and it was just a brilliant, 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 brilliant weekend. Like, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of these. You know, you think back. I remember Ronnie. It was about surreal, and it was like seriously. This just actually come into my head. We must have met at the ground the following Tuesday or Thursday. Definitely a night of that week. And Ronnie came in with a box and just threw them out onto the, obviously the treatment table in the middle of the dressing room. And it was our medals. But it was very, it was just, it was like, okay, there's your medals. Right, that's done. You know, move on. You want to do it again. And I don't know if you've been watching the likes of the Amazon Prime, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's Man City or and, and you can see the sort of psychology of you know it doesn't seem very happy, you know, just oh, when the running the running never looked how but uh, <laughs> unless we're running. Uh but I what you know, thinking back, I can see why it was done. You know, that's just try and get into your head that, like, OK, you've done it once, let's do it again. Let's do it again, let's do it again. And I think that's, like, if you look at Pep Guardiola, Alex Ferguson's been the same. It's just demand, 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 demand.
0: Um, you talk you talk about Ronnie, you know, here and there. What was your relationship like with Ronnie? How did you find him? Any Ronnie stories?
1: Um, well, obviously I signed three times for him, so there must have been something good in there you know but uh, no again it was going back to that you know the players that Ronnie signed the players that were at the club you know he just wanted to be there and be part of it and that's something that you know I took you know straight away I thought to myself that's, if you want to play that's where you want to go and play because you're going to win more than you lose uh, Ronnie would have been sometimes very he'd have been either talk to you talk to you talk to you then just blank um you if you're in the team and doing well, everything was hunky door. But I think like with any manager, it doesn't matter who they are. If you're if you're not playing and you're not playing well or you're not getting picked, you know, you might be a bit pissed off with the manager and he might be a bit pissed off with you. So but again, it's just part of the, the learning. I think if you were a young player, I think I think you might find it a bit a bit strange. But that's where, you know, we Bob is probably we Bob um a lot of time for Bob and then Kieran come in. I think Bob left, and Kieran Harden come in. Uh, and again, I've got a lot of time for Kieran. I've, I've done a lot of things with Kieran regarding, you know, your, your badges because obviously he would do a lot of work for the AFA. Um But I think, again, Ronnie, Ronnie was always cute enough. And I think it's, you know, they, they make reference to Alex Ferguson regarding, you know, timeline. You know, the length of time doing the one job and I think that testing me to Ronnie and testing me to the actual football club that, you know, they worked in partnership for so long. But I think the other thing too is you're talking there about different seasons and bringing in different players. You know, I think that's where Ronnie was good. He knew, right, I can maybe shift him on, bring this person in, shift him on, bring, and I think that was, and again, I think towards the end of his time, it it maybe got to the point that maybe he had been there too long. Uh, but then, almost, <laughs> in any walk of life, you know things have to come to an end.
0: Um, also that season, it would be the to miss it. and um, beat Linfield in the Ulster Cup. Cup final, you scored the the winning tally in the in the shootout. If I remember rightly, what are your memories of that?
1: I <clears throat> I remember it very very clearly. Um, I was so pissed off. I was so. Scott Leach came
2: in
1: that day. Yes. Right. Scotty. Uh now he came in. I think that that might possibly have been his first game.
0: Possibly. He didn't. I know he only played a handful of games, and then I think uh, he, he came on loan from Motherwell, maybe right. four or five games or maybe not even as many as that. And then he went back to I think he went across to Swindon then.
1: Well, I know that t- Scotty came in for that game, cup final, and I think it's my dad. He'd come across as well uh, to watch the final. And Scotty Basically took my place, so I wasn't amused at all. But I knew Ronnie. Like at the end of the day, what's the most important thing is winning. Now, don't get me wrong. I told Ronnie after the game how pissed off I was. But Ronnie, being Ronnie, he just he, he'd rather you he banged down his door and gave off to him. you know those times that he'd actually give off for you not doing that. But uh, but no, I just remember the penalty, and I just I knew I think it was, was going to say it was a big Wes and goals again.
0: Yes, I think so. Goals
1: of the month. Because if you know what big Wes is like, I would, I would, I think I, I, every time I saw him in Tesco's or whatever, I would remind them about me putting it in the top corner. But I would always do it from a safe distance. You know, even also be a big Wes, especially with big Wes. But uh, but no, I I remember, I just remember t- penalty, and I just I stroked it right, in. and I, I probably because I was still pissed off. So <laughs> you know, I'm still, like, still annoyed, but. Uh, and Then just turn them and just and then everybody jumped on the head, like you know. So, with uh, but no, straight away, I knew, I knew I wanted the fifth penalty. And um, Noel Bailey missed their fifth, so there was maybe a little bit less pressure because you know he missed. So, but again, I remember talking to Noel and just like just one of them things, and uh, I think he appreciated that, you know. So, but what a player he was,
0: um. Then we'll go on to the following season then. Um European football. You have any memories or <laughs> stories
2: about I,
0: I, I it was funny listening to my
1: peeves and he actually could remember that Boy, is it Voyager Voyager Vadina?
0: Yeah, something like
1: that. Right. Uh, the place I, Jesus it was a it was like playing strange and automobiles, maybe you know, to get uh, from here to there. Uh, was, was, it Bel- was it Belgrade? Yugoslavia, the old Yugoslavia, was it? I think so. But I know the place we stayed in, it was called sad And Peebs actually mentioned it. But well, wait, I tell you, it was very sad. It was a frigging war zone. It was a war zone. And I remember the day playing, I think we, the beat is what? Is it 1-0 over Shamrock? I mm-hmm. think so. I, I I come well, on. I should have scored. I had a chance to score. I think I just put it past the post, but I should have scored. But I remember out there. Like I say it was, it was scary stuff. Like you know, I think the soldiers and just the buildings were in ruins. But we stayed in actually a very nice hotel. But I remember their stadium. It was like just terraced the whole way around and a block at the top. You know for the changing rooms. But they had like a DJ playing music. It was it was about ninety degrees. And the music was just belting. And I can remember Major. He was getting he was getting right into it and up dancing and all. Uh, and this was before the game. Uh I'm trying to think, how did we do in that game? The two one, I think. But that was my oh, no. that was my first forte into, you know, European football. And like I say, people dream about playing in Europe, maybe in the San Seal or you know, Trafford or wherever, but where we were, it was like it opened your eyes, like. Uh, and I actually I shared a room with uh, Paul Carlisle, uh, so we did. But uh, that was in our experience. That's something we definitely can't talk about. But uh, but no, it was like I say, it, it's you know, there's a hell of a lot of good players, or there's a hell of a lot of players better than you know, better than I ever got near to being. Never played in Europe. You know, so there I've got that feather in my cap.
0: We involved in the Manchester United game. Again, that was another really, it
1: was a bad experience for me personally because, I I was the only Man United supporter in our squad, and the Sunday Life did a whole page about the game the week previous, and it was, and it was the, the, I just remember, I think the only other Man United supporter. Was the late great Lindsay Kilpatrick. Uh I am pretty sure Lindsay was a my new man and somebody I got on really, really well with, uh, a lot of time for. Uh and he I he sorted, it. he said, look, you're a my new man, get you we'll get the Sunday live. So that was all done. So I remember Big Ron- <laughs> So Big Ronnie comes in at half time. So we're 5-0 down. Now you're not talking my United second team here, you're talking you know, schools, Beckham Cantona, Pallister you know, you're talking the, it was basically the first team Big Ronnie comes in at half time he goes bananas and I mean seriously bananas so he goes on and on and on, he's effing blind and all the rest of it next time Gary Peel stands up and goes first. Oh, sake, Ronnie it's Man United I don't care yet. So, but they ended up, I think it finished 5-0. Mm-hmm. But, and again, obviously my wife was there. Uh, mean, nephew might have been there as well. But I remember standing in the tunnel. Now again, this would have been, would this have been pre, you know, mobile phones? Probably, this uh, yeah, is was 1996. Raymond, Raymond Byrne had, he'd come into our squad, Raymond Burns had come in. Mm-hmm. And he was at Nottingham Forest by Keane. So I remember standing talking to Roy Keane just because Burnsy uh, introduced to it, and I'm like, "This is I, I'm in heaven here, man." You, you know, Captain of Man United, uh, but I don't know. Ronnie just he didn't didn't put us on. I don't think I was the only one, but it was like you know I was so disappointed after the game mm-hmm. just to say. But uh, funny, one of the uh, funny things about it was it was quite a good turn. You can imagine the crowds and they're wanting to see you know the. Uh, Man United players and up close and personal. Um, is it Gary Pallister? Oh, who the hell was it? Gary Pallister. Oh, if you imagine our home dressing room, if you come into it, there's a door that takes you into the showers and the toilets, and then the other door to get through the physio. Mm-hmm. But because the crowds were so bad at their, you know, vengeance to their changing rooms, they had to come through and one of them, I think it was Gary Pastor, mate. walked in to our dressing room and says, oh, we get, how do we get that door to go on the bus? And Philip Major says, i entered through there, mate. <laughs> sent him in the toilets and in the, in the showers <laughs> and he came out. Came, you can imagine what he said. He didn't say thank you very much for that. That was very nice of him. But, you would uh,
0: then leave that season, Nathan. Sorry? You would then leave that season and return then. Uh, is that the, so that was the time,
1: did I end up going back to Balamina?
0: I, I'm not sure now.
1: That's, that's, we're now talking the 96, 97 season? Yeah. I I ended up going back to Balamina. Um, Is that the time of the registration? That may have been what we said earlier about Gary look you know, the registration fiasco, I think Porter that might have been the time Porter I had the same problem. But, no, I was, again, thinking back to that time, I know that my wife was pregnant and I had a choice of Winfield or balmina, and it ended up working out, I like think I said to you earlier, it was Alan Fraser. Mm-hmm. And what, I actually met Alan Fraser at uh, Temple Patrick Hotel, but it wasn't until after I ended up coming back to Portadown Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Ronnie signed me again. It was only then I got hurt in pre-season, so I missed a few games for Balmina. Now, Balmina had good players back then. We, um, oh, Philip Nell, class V player. Um, they brought in a few on-field players back then, and then I couldn't get back in the team. So I think just out of the blue. But I think going back to the Alan Fraser thing, I don't think he was that keen. I think it was it was maybe mentioned from higher above, you know, going see about signing Kamlish. Uh, whereas I think any player would tell you if 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 a manager, what well, it has to be the manager that wants you. It can't be, you know, chairman or a director or whoever. It has to be the manager. So. Yeah, I think looking back, he said to me like, "I'm not really too keen on this." Like, shook his hand and wish him all the best. But, uh, but no, but uh, for, for, signing, for for signing, for signing for signing for Portarlington three times, and turned down Linfield three times. Met David Jeffrey, met Trevor Anderson, and met Eric. Eric. Oh Oh yeah. Bowyer. Aye. Um but here. Yeah, it's one of them things. But uh, but no that like I say that was Christmas time came back. Did I actually sign permanent? I think I did sign permanently, didn't?
0: How did the move come what led to your departure in the first instance, Neil? And then how did it come about then you return?
1: I think again going back to the letter, I think that was the problem. And I know see, I think if memory serves me right. The club have to notify you by recorded delivery of a contract extension, you know, a a contract offer. But it cannot cannot be any less than what you're already on. So that was how they got hold of Highlock, because his letter was late. So this happened to me. So I think then, whether it might have been here, it might have actually been a planned thing. because Obviously, I did then get an offer from Portadown, but it wasn't less than what I was already on. And it was like, are they taking the mic here? you know, so, but again, with the wife being pregnant, you know, the travelling up and down to Port Round, not that it's, like, 50 miles, you know, the end of the day, it's not the, the be-all and end-all, but I ended up just going back to Balmina, and let's say I spoke with David, we were sitting in David Jeffrey's office at Windsor, talking to him, and then it just it fitted it better with Balmina because of the situation at home, so, uh, but again, like I say, by Christmas, I wasn't playing, and it was like, I need to play, I need to play, so, Big Ronnie, I just for uh, he just obviously he knows he sees who's playing and who's not playing, so obviously I enjoyed it the first time round and again, no regrets. Come back to Port Ryan, absolutely not. And
0: mm-hmm. um, that would be a bit of a disappointing season after the highs of the season before we would and it, end, it, end up, um, finishing fourth. I think during the season we made um about 17, 18 appearances during the season, um. You know when when you came back, um, finished fourth. Only finished something like eight points behind. I think um, Crusaders won the title last season. Um, so they did. Um, what what had changed? Now you know we won the league the following season, and then the the sort of the sort of drop. Then, what could you see that had changed or? Had had other teams just strengthened, or was the loss of Peter Kennedy a, a big thing?
1: Obviously, Kenzo got his move across to Watford. I think it was the first. I think it was the first club he went what to. Was he Watford.
0: Went to. Sorry, Notts County. I think he went to originally. County. Yeah. yeah he went to Watford from
1: there. He, he's a super player, and he deserved that, you know, for that to happen, because um, it was just obviously the quality he had. Um, but again, you know, losing a player like that there. It is going to affect, uh, you know, you're you're moving on, uh, unless you bring in the same quality. I think you said something there that was interesting. I don't I don't think there's any doubt because of the way Portadown had the success that they'd had over a period of years. You know, the Linfields and the Gwens tried. You know, they had to get stronger. And I think you know the back then, the Crusaders were the, you know, as if it was Portadown Crusaders fighting each other. Uh, so there's no doubt that you know they did, you know, uh, strengthen themselves. And like looking back, you know, to the Crusaders teams, you know, the Linkfield teams, you know, they have a lot of good players. You know, there's a lot of players potentially, uh, in my view, could have played across the war. Uh, because what I think we spoke about privately earlier that you know, young players, if they train with the first team, like so that then not learn, obviously them being a full time outfit. There's a few of the players last season uh, from the development squad would have trained with the first team and they didn't look out of place because simply because they were good players them, within themselves, but they were actually training with better players. Uh, and obviously the players would look after them as well. So but again, it was disappointing. I think, you know, any, you know, if a Porter day aren't competing. At the highest level, you know, doesn't matter where it's the league, Cups. It's, I think it, with Ronnie's track record and the success they had, it's always going to be you know looked at as a bit of a, a, a letdown.
0: Mm-hmm. You would then depart again and then, as you've alluded to, return again. Um, in the, I got the season, I got for punishment. <laughs> in the 98-99 season, now you were coming back to a really different quarter down then. Quarter down were really, really struggling. Um, it was a 10-team league. At the, at the time, Portadown would end up finishing 8th, um, just out, just above the, the, the ninth-place playoff position. Um, I think they only secured their, their safety, maybe, with a game or two to go. Um, again, how did, how did the return happen, and what was your feelings on the squad and the team and the club at the time, and where they were at that stage?
1: Um, how did it come around again? I, again, just Ronnie phoned me. I, I remember leaving and I remember we were playing Oma and I came on as a sub within the first 10-15 minutes. If that's the season I'm thinking of. And I, was in a, I, I wasn't was playing well at all. I'd really gone off the boil. And I think Ronnie just had enough. But I remember I went away and I believe I ended up playing for Shamrock Rovers. I got a phone call out of the blue. Oh, what was their manager? Burn, somebody Byrne. And it was like, what do I do here? And again, I think, uh, let's see, the wife was pregnant again. So we had a few trips to Dublin and they looked after us and believe it or not, I actually stayed with um, Pat Fenham because he was at Rovers at the time. Uh, first night I went down, did the training. Uh, he invited me to stay, instead of staying in a hotel. He says, no, come on around, stay with me. Uh, and then I played a friendly. I believe I I actually played a friendly in Trinity. Is it Trinity College?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a pitch in the middle of it. Uh, played a few games for Shamrock Rovers and then before I knew it, Ronnie was on again. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's a bit of a strange one, you know, why why three times, why yeah, it's just the way it's just the way it fell. It's just it's you know, as they say, shit happens and it's uh it, it's all good in the end, like, you know, for obviously for myself. Uh but I uh, once, twice, three times, I uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a strange one, but as say I I can't say anything but good things for about Port Around Football Club.
0: Um as I say, he came back to club was really struggling at this stage. and um, you know, Fighting for for uh, Premier League survival at that stage. What's your you know what's your memories of of the the, the stand up? I think you brought in I think maybe did chick Charlie and, and players like this come in during the season. And
1: um, obviously a new of chick, you know, from his days at Park at thistle um, And and apps like talking you're talking about characters out there it was just nuts. Um, but what I left it head on them. Um, as maybe his best days were, you know, maybe a wee bit behind them. But I think, I think, if I remember rightly, it was we really, we really were struggling. And again, I think I made reference to the fact that I was, I think, I was struggling as well, uh, and it really didn't work out for me the third time round. Um, I just, I think, I think that it's as if uh, quite a few of the players have you know, obviously the age of the players were everybody had been getting on. Uh, again, I think I had the operation in my knee, '94, '95, and it was playing up with me again. Believe it or not, I'm actually, I actually saw a consultant last March, and I need an operation in the same knee to fix the same problem, the cartilage. Uh, and I actually, I actually saw the consultant the day the Martyr Hospital shut down for COVID. So, that, I was in the car park in Musgrave Park Hospital, so I'm still waiting. But, uh, no, I was definitely struggling with E then, and I think I think I actually remember taking time out. I think I was more or less, I thought, you know, that was maybe it, football-wise. Um, but as you say, no, that, that you know, we basically scraped the place, um, and it was a, very much a below-par, you know, season, uh, very much so. Uh and I think, obviously, there's a lot of us then left at the end of that season. And again, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, that would have been what we'd been moving into the year
0: 2000.
1: Yeah. 2000. And again, I thought I was done. And then again, like completely out of the blue, I got a phone call from for that new season, Tommy Kincaid, down at Larn. And it, just the success we had down there was just... It was like a fairy fairytale. Uh, but obviously, I had the highs, the very, very, very highs at quarter down, and then obviously we finished with the lows. Now then I think you can tell me, but with Johnny, I'm sure he went a bit of a, a spending spree regarding recruit, recruitment, or whether he even got the recruitment right. Uh, I think when I left, I think Vinny would have still been there.
0: Yeah, Vinny, Vinny was there, and then um, it was then... In- Two thousand and one, two thousand and two. So we, we stayed up like ninety eight, ninety nine, then you had the ninety nine, two thousand season. And then um it was a couple of years then after that where you got in like of guy, Hamilton and Peter McCann and stuff. and um, came home from England and went on to, to win the league. That was two thousand and two. Um so it was a couple of years after that then. Um that that season, that ninety eight, ninety nine season well, obviously was the Irish Cup final, that never was.
1: Yeah.
0: And now, what's your memories of that name?
1: It was strange because you know I I do remember the there were times we weren't sure what was happening, but one thing that the players really really wanted to know was the team, you know, because players were fighting and scrapping to get on that you know starting eleven, and Ronnie never named it. I don't recall him ever naming the team or the subs, you know, who was going to be left out or who wasn't. So I, and again, I think he ended up getting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think we all end up with medals. But as, as RC said, it was a bit hollow, you know, you'd have rather, won, you know, played the game and won it fairly and squarely. Um, maybe they should have played it. I don't know. But obviously the politics behind it all has nothing to do with us. Uh, but it was, it was, you know, what's happening. There was a big, you know, sort of like what the hell's going on here? What's 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 the what's the what, you know, how's what's the outcome gonna be? And obviously it's not the outcome we wanted.
0: Um then you would return to the club as the manager of the reserves then in 2009. Um how did that come about and how was that experience?
1: Again, it was um I was helping Jim Hagan out at Wellington Rec, Uh I had a few spells in coaching. I obviously started as soon as I retired playing. I was straight into the coaching at uh, Balmain United. Um, obviously, Tommy Wright would have been the manager there. So he's now, man. Obviously, he's now in the door at Camaronic, where I sort of grew up for sort of 18 years of my life in Camaronic. So, um, but I would. I think I sent, I sent Ronnie a text because the season obviously was starting, a new season was starting, and I just texted him just to say, look, have a good season, and all the best, uh, hope things work out. Uh, just along the lines of that there, and next thing he's on the phone, uh, hear what you're doing. Well, helping Jim Hagen out, should said like to come up. Obviously, that was so it's, it's what you're saying as I signed four times. Ronnie must have
0: had your number and speed down then. I must have, but uh, but no.
1: Listen, it was a good experience. I was only there for a season, but it was good to help out. But uh, no, there was a few of the, the young boys. Again, it was difficult because you know, obviously, my experience, and I knew that you know, Big Ronnie would have been very much. We wouldn't give you know, he wouldn't really give youth a chance unless he was absolutely you know stuck. But there was two or three players that did get first team uh, outings and. I know, again, you know yourself that Chris Curran was part of that uh, reserve team and he went on to do really well. Obviously, I don't know what happened with having the Narnet before then, but he's fantastic at Um Young Matty and then Jordan Baker was another one. Um, uh, he played quite a few first-team games as well. So, uh, But no, it was, like I say we. I think the players did really well. You know, it was a, I think there was no reserve team that previous season?
0: No, we were in the championship and then there was no reserve league for the championship so, team as then so that um, players that came in, you know, I think they can they can help
1: hold their heads, you know, heads up high because they they certainly we come in and okay, yes, we did lose some games, but we also won quite a few as well. Especially a great one at Windsor, you know, being Munfield at Midsley three two. Um I do know that there were times that it was very disappointing. I remember actually a game at Mornview and there were five first-team players playing and we were 2-0 all down at half-time and it was a shambles. It was a disgrace. Uh, you know, the, the, you know one thing about a first-team player coming in, a, you know, a really well-known first-team player regular, one thing he has to do is work his tail off. He can't just come in and piss about because five, what you have to think is, there's five first-team players playing in that game which means there's five young boys sitting in the stand. You know, and I remember coming in at half-time and I was raging and Ronnie and I were into changing room. I was like, <laughs> I wanted to tell, wanted to tell him how, what I thought of his first team players. <laughs> but, at uh, no, the end of the day, it was, again, it was a good experience for me and uh, only lasted a season. But, you know, I was grateful for the opportunity. Uh, and again, I had the opportunity as well and obviously, we weren't, you know, playing. I could, you know, obviously, knew, you knew Ronnie's the way Ronnie worked, but to see it from a different perspective as a coach uh, and the dugout and stuff like that there, so it was no, it was, it was all good. Do
0: you want to tell us anything what you had these days? Well, let's see. I'm still, I'm um, still involved down
1: at Larn. Uh, that was where I mentioned the Tommy Kincaid thing. You know, going back, I thought it was done, but to be fair, they were in the championship at the time and. I hardly trained. I never missed a training session. But I didn't really do much because of my knee basically I just played on a Saturday uh, or Tuesday night uh, and just, then just recovered. So fair play to Tommy for that. But it did put me under pressure because, you know, if I didn't perform on a Saturday, I would look like an idiot. So um then obviously we get promoted. And that was me that was my ties, started with alarm, and then obviously I've been there as a coach as well. And I've helped out as a coach. Big uh, like Wendy Miller was down obviously down uh, obviously now assistant manager at the Glens I helped him out for a time down there as well so but not now well I'm doing the same as most players at the minute twiddling my thumbs because obviously this COVID but obviously the first team down at Larnham and I'm, I'm, I helped out with the development squad the development squad is actually two teams the, the 20s and the 18s and the 18s have actually got a BTEC rolled out this, this year so uh, obviously they are still getting their schooling. Uh I presume it's from home and then they're training. Uh and they basically just match what the first team do uh regarding you know, obviously uh, what Tern, Tern and his his guys got up to. Uh but so, no, it was all good. Really enjoyed it last season. Uh came in, uh helped out, uh and then it was myself and Darren and there's another guy called Ronan. and the three of us basically take care of the, the two squads. Uh but Unfortunately, this season we had two games is all we've mustered. Uh, I think it was one league game and one cup game, and that's it. But uh, unfortunately, I can't see us playing again uh, anytime soon, uh, obviously at that level. Obviously, the Premiership still run, up, running, uh, so the, the first-team boys are still in. So, But again, because they are living in their bubble, of the squad you know we have to stay away because you know we can't be part of that which is unfortunate but it just seems to be the way life is at the minute
0: it is unfortunately then we'll finish off I always ask um, the guests on the show this how would you like down fans to remember you during your time at the club (sighs)
2: Uh, Uh,
1: we'd ask there. but uh, no I'll tell you one story it was um, it was been last last season Lauren won the championship. So that would have been, you're talking two seasons ago now? Yeah.
0: We had um, Lauren up at Inver on the day they were positioned hey, with
1: the trophy. Well, I remember standing in the car park and Bill Emerson. I saw Bill Emerson and so' obviously always the time for Bill to talk to him just asking how things were and all the rest of it. Uh, the usual football stuff and all. And then he says, hold on a minute, Neil. And there was, there was four or five el- el- elderly gentlemen. And one of them came straight over and just said my name straight away. She said, I remember. And I mean, when I say elderly, I mean, you know, in their 70s, 80s. And they, between three, four of them, excuse me, started telling me about games and situations and scoring. And I'm standing there going, God, these boys, you know, I honestly don't remember who they were, but it was really appreciative for me to to hear and the enthusiasm. And then obviously me obviously rooting for alarm you know, giving me a tough time because I should be I should be rooting for Ported Down. But uh but I remember that day, uh, nice sunny day, uh very, very clearly. And it was obviously Bill and but the guys recognized me and they were as nice as nice and they had nothing but good things to say about me. So but again I just I think, I think it's like every player just that you you gave as best you could and hopefully played with a smile on the face. But, uh, but again, I know I probably, I probably should have done a bit better at times, but uh, at the end of the day, I know I'm the time at Portadown, and, uh, and uh, I've been back, you know, I've been back a few times to a couple of the, the, the lunches and, you know, before games and stuff. Again, I can't wait for, for that to happen again. Uh, because obviously I'll, I'll, I'll be delighted to get back. But just on, on recent things, um, you've obviously got... Uh, Lawrence equivalent of Jesus now in your squad at Shamrock Park and Ben Tinley uh, I know Ben very well uh, a lot of time from. Uh, the only problem with Ben is he's is maybe been a Scotsman he's got a silly English accent uh, but I really hope he does really well for you um, he yeah, has a quality player and uh, obviously the game last night two each but obviously Ben wouldn't have been allowed to play in that uh, because he's on loan but uh I think obviously talking to him about the loan move. Um, he's got a lot to live up to, you know, to obviously reach my status as as uh, a legend or legend. I can't remember what <laughs> how you pronounce it, but uh, but no, he's a good lad. And like I say, he's um, you know Connor Devlin, our goalkeeper. What is it about goalkeepers? He's a rocket, an absolute rocket. What is it? Goalkeepers are all rockets, but Connor Devlin got a full. Life-size poster of Ben Tinley, like this here, as if he's on the cross with his long hair and his beard. So, if you're talking to Ben, tell him to get that poster, Shamrock Park, get it stuck up there
0: somewhere. I'll certainly mention. And um, listen, Dave Wiggins, that presents the preview show uh, on the YouTube channel. Will never, never forget me if I don't mention this. But when Ben Tinley saying all Dave Wiggins could talk about was his long mane of hair. No.
1: How it would never compare with Neil Chanderson's long, (laughs) long being back in the day. Well, wait, wait, I tell you, I I think I mentioned earlier about finding the scrapbooks and some of them, like honestly, my two girls now. Um, I have to mention them because again, going back to my days at Larm, uh, finishing my career, uh, Molly's now 24 and Emily's 21, both had birthdays there last month, and I can remember. Especially Molly, being slightly older, at, down at Inver and shouting for Daddy, "Go Daddy, Go Daddy, Go Daddy." So these are things that you know you treasure as well. Uh, going into that there, but when they saw some of the obviously the the clips for, or the, the newspaper clips and all, and some of the they were like, you can imagine what kind of language was coming out. You know, two girls, two young girls. It was like, Dad, what the, what were you thinking? What seriously? What were you thinking? But I think that's maybe the point.
0: I wasn't thinking.
1: <laughs> but sure. Yeah, listen, I've still got he- my head now, so I'd rather have have a lot of hair than none.
0: Well, Neil, thank you very much for taking um, this uh, Wednesday night out to talk to us. Really appreciate it. Um. So, thank you very much, and and look after yourself. Yeah, uh, John,
1: it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, like I say, I wish all the Portadown fans well and
2: uh, good luck for the rest of the season.
0: No problem. Thank you, Neil.
2: Yes, thank you.